I'm glad to see everybody here this morning. How about another rainy Sunday? Come on, really? This is the third Sunday in a row that we had rain. You know, we looked at this building. We were like, we, we needed a facility pretty quick. And we looked at it and we thought, man, the only bad thing about this facility is the parking lot. There's no parking lot, really. So when it rains, you know, that's going to be an issue. And we were all like, it's not going to rain. It won't. How many times does it rain on Sunday? Come on, really? <laughs> but anyway. I hope you all had a good week. And look, if you're visiting with us today, you know, I want to say thank you for choosing to be with us. You know, I know there's a lot of places you could go. And we're glad that you came out in today's weather and chose us, you know. And I want to encourage you, when you leave, go out to the information table and get one of our vision statements, all right, that's folded up on there. And just take it home and read it and pray over it and see how you may fit into what we're doing here at Compass Church. Because God's doing some great things, you know. We're going to love God. We're going to lead people. We're going to grow disciples, and we're going to win the world. That's what we're going to do. That is what we're commissioned to do, and that's what we're going to do. And if you feel like you can fit into that and you want to be a part of it, hey, we'd love to have you. We want to have you on board. And now, before I get into the message, and of course, I think everybody knows what the message is going to be on now at this point, I want to do a quick shout-out to Jamin and his lovely wife, Hannah. Come on, give her a hand. Look at our wonderful drum cage. You know, we needed a drum cage. Uh, you know, Jamin's kind of an animal on those drums anyway, man. He's a machine. The dude can rock. <laughs> but the problem is in this small building, it was really loud. So we needed a drum cage, and we priced them out, and they're very expensive, very expensive. And, you know, God's done a lot getting us here, and, and we just had, don't have the operating capital to go out and spend a couple thousand dollars on a drum cage. And Jamin stepped up, and, and his lovely wife, Hannah, and said, we're going to make it happen. And he did. I mean, they were, I think you were here to, what, 10, 11 o'clock last night? Oh, praise God. Thank you, man. Thank you. you. All right, everybody, bear with me. It's a new microphone today. All right, and really quick, I want to give a big shout-out to somebody special. Now, I know I can't do this for everybody in the church, and it's not Natalie over there looking like she is. I want to give a big shout-out to somebody who's really close to me. I really think the world of him. You know, he kind of... I had a birthday yesterday, and uh, <laughs> that would be Tucker. <laughs> Here, man, I got you something. There you go, my buddy. I want any chance to embarrass you, I will take it. <laughs> you know, Tucker's a good kid. You know, he really, really is. He's been a part of the youth group for quite a while, as all the kids are in our youth group. They're great kids, but... Tucker stood right up here in front of us when he got back from camp, and he, 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 he shared with everybody the fact that he feels that he really has a calling on his life. You know, that's pretty awesome. I would love to have known at his age that I had a calling to pastor at that. I, I just think about what I could have done different, you know. But for him to understand that and see that, it goes along with what we're talking about with the base and the foundation of Compass Church understanding the will of God for your life and the direction that he's taking you. And he's doing that. He's seeing it now. And those of you that don't know, he's about to graduate. He's now officially an adult. He's a man, you know. He's a man. But he's going to, he's legal. Sorry, Mom. We will be praying with you. (laughs) But Tucker's praying about, he and his mom are praying about the next step for Tucker. And some of you don't know this, but Tucker is very seriously considering going to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma with Anna and another young gentleman from camp, Slade, is that right? All right, to go to Rama Bible College. 
man, that's a great place to start, you know. It is a fabulous place. If I tell anybody that if you don't know what, what field you're going into, it's great. Go get a couple of years of ministry training under your belt. It's a great atmosphere to go in when you're young. You're surrounded by good people, good godly people. I mean, there's nothing like having church with a 1,000 students that are your age. I mean, and they're all seeking after God and seeking after the things of God. And you're there, and you get to learn how to live in your own apartment, how to budget your bills in a good atmosphere. You know, how many of you know most secular colleges are not the best atmosphere for an 18-year-old to fall into? So he and his, he and his mom, y'all are praying this out. And look, we're praying with you. If you believe this is the area that God's calling him to, hey, we're going to stand with you in agreement. He's going to make a way where he guides, he provides, the money will come, the favor will come for a job, housing, it will come. All right? And Tucker, you're a good man, and God's going to do great things with your life if you choose it. Now, you can choose to take a detour, but don't take any detours, my man. All right? (laughs) Uh, We love you, man. All right. uh, Everybody knows we've got a holiday coming up, right? Come on. This is church. It's okay. You can talk back. I'm not going to be mad. <laughs> what is the holiday? Valentine's Day. That's right. All right. If I asked you what's one word, what's one word that you think of that would describe Valentine's Day, what would it be? Chocolate. <laughs> Only Chelsea. Love. Love. Okay, love. All right. You know, <laughs> the interesting thing is, Love, this is one of the most misused and misunderstood understood words in the English language. It really is, if you really think about it. Because, I mean, how can, how can I go to Chad, or how can I go to Debbie and say, Debbie, I love you, as a, as, as a part of Compass Church, I love you, and then go to Muffin here, I mean, Michelle. <laughs> say, sorry, nickname came out there. <laughs> I love you. All right, see, you see the difference? I mean, it's, it's kind of strange, you know? Or how can you say, like Tony, he loves his cameras. There's no doubt. Tony, when we were in Africa, buddy, you didn't touch the camera. You know, there's no telling what the camera cost. Am I right? Come on. He did. Chad loves Auburn football. I know this. I know this. If you say roll tide to him, he will push you out the door. All right, there's no doubt. But all of you, see, we're using love all in these different all in these different ways, it, it kind of makes you wonder, how is it possible to use it in so many different ways? You know, I think, and, and you know, you can think about it a lot of different ways, but I think the answer is right here. It's right here, and it's in, I think it's in the English language for us. And I don't know if it's the Greeks were so much smarter than we are, you know, because I think they have like seven or eight words that they actually use for love, whereas we have one. So maybe we're just lazy, you know. I don't know. Now, anyway, but what I want to talk about today, I want to touch on four Greek words, Greek words, Greek, the New Testament, uh, written in Greek, four Greek words that we use to describe some form of love, all right? Sorry about that. But, and some of you have probably heard these, some of you may already know them. That's okay, we're going to go over them again because repetitive information is important. All right, so we're going to start with the first one, and that is store J. Everybody say store J. S-T-O-R-G-E, love, store J, love. Now look, when I was in Pomona, California, we pronounced it store J. 
When I was in Savannah, Georgia, they said storage. So I guess it's a southern thing, you know. Like we fixing to make up a word for something, you know. I guess it, you can pronounce it anyway. It, it, it still has the same meaning. Now this love is very, it's very simple. It, it, this is basically your family love, all right. This would be like Michelle has for her father or her mother, all right. Or like I have for my child. It's a very strong love, all right. How I many you know you got your family's back? Now I understand that bond can be broken under certain circumstances and situations, but for the most part, you've got your family's back. All right, that's the store J love. All right, you got them. You're going to be with them. It's very deep. It's very powerful and very strong. All right? All right. So the next one I want to talk about is filio. Everybody say filio. Filio love. P-H-I-L-E-O. Now, this is a type of love. It goes a little bit beyond just acquaintances, all right, or general friends. This is a little bit, kind of that deep friendship. You know, if you have a, if you have, you, you know if you have a friend that you have filio love for, all right, this is somebody you're going to fight for, somebody you're going to give them the clothes off your back, the money out of your pocket, all right, you're going to support them. You'll almost die for this person, all right. Very, very, very important. And, one, and I, I guess if, you, if, you, if you're looking for examples from the Bible, uh, the, the one that jumps out at me would be John 11. And, of course, this is the story of Jesus and Lazarus. And uh, if, you, if you pick that up in, in verse 30, it says, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his, speak, in his spirit, deeply moved. Where have you put him, he asked, Lord. They told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So, Jesus, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. Filio loved him. All right? And, of course, you know the, the rest of the story. Jesus, I won't read it all, but Jesus rose him from the dead. All right, Jesus had this friendship with Lazarus. That was the filio type of love, all right? And very powerful love. And listen, if you have somebody that you have that love for, take care of it. It's a very, very valuable friendship, all right? Very valuable, all right? Hey, uh, Tony, can we turn the air on back there? (laughs) Thank you, sir. All right, so now, if you got those relationships, take care of them, all right? Now, that leads me to the next one. Now, look, this one, everybody say Eros, E-R-O-S. All right, now, this one can get out of hand, all right, because most people pronounce it Eros. That's not correct, but most people think of Eros, they think of erotic, all right? They are similar, but they are not the same, all right? Do I need to explain what erotic means? <laughs> I guess you could easily say <laughs> it's kind of like, mm, all right, we're, there are no kids in here, so let's just go in a little bit deeper. Erotic is uh, ideas or practices that maybe are considered naughty or inappropriate. There, I think that's pretty simple, pretty clean, all right? All right, well, <laughs> eros, is, eros is the romantic, the passionate love. An invaluable love that comes with a marriage or in the right boundaries of the Word of God, all right? In a marriage between a woman and a man, all right? It's very valuable. And let me just say this. In 
the experience that we've had in counseling married couples, they're probably, I'd say, easily 70-plus percent of relationship problems begin in this area because they don't have that eros love for one another. All right, let me explain to you what I'm talking about. When you marry somebody, you know, when Michelle and I got married, you know, she saw me and I just knocked her socks off, you know. And <laughs> she said, man, who is that hunk over there? I said, <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. I begged her and chased her forever, but anyway. <laughs> but what I'm, the point is, you know, when you're 25 and you get married, you know, you're kind of in your prime. You know, you kind of got your muscles on, you know, you know, you, the ladies are all slim and trim, you know. And, and, and that's, that's great. But the attraction can't stop there. And the attraction can't be simply based on that because guess what happened on that? And this is one of the largest, largest marital mistakes with young couples, all right? They go into this relationship thinking that things are going to stay just like they are at a young age. And it's very dangerous, very dangerous, all right? So you've got to have that arrow's love, all right? And we'll cover anybody that decides to get married. We'll cover any of that a little deeper in marital counseling. But to go a little bit further... There's not a lot in the New Testament that talks about passionate love. We understand that it's very important, all right? Actually, everything in the New Testament talks about uh, actually setting boundaries for a safe sexual relationship with a couple, with a married couple, amen? But the Bible didn't. (laughs) I don't know if I should do this. I'm just going to read the Bible. Let's put it that way. But the Bible didn't overlook passionate sex, all right? It is an important part. And I'll, I'm going to quote a couple of scriptures. I'm going to quote this one. She read it to me the other night. Song of Solomon 1, verse 2. It says, Oh, that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for the love is more delightful than wine. The fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. Your name is perfume poured out. No wonder young women adore you. Phew. Huh? Take me with you. Let us hurry. Oh, that the king would bring me to his chambers. Come on. Get a little warm. That's in your Bible. I look, look, let me go a little deeper. Song of Solomon 7, 6, part of a relationship. When you're in a relationship, don't overlook it. All right? Don't overlook it. All right? Understand how that fits in your relationship. All right? And go, let's just go with it. All right? Now, that's enough of that. Giving off on that. That brings me to the most important love. All right? Say Agape. A-G. <laughs> all right, agape love. This is the greatest love, all right? This is the love, this is the love of God for us, all right? This is the greatest of all. It's unconditional. God gives, us free, gives this to us freely. It's a divine love, all right? Without condition, it is selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional. I mean, it's, it's the highest of the four types of love. All right, I can't tell you how important the agape love is. And just like it's the love of God for us, it's also the love that we should be giving to everyone else. All right, so, so we should be walking in agape love. All right? You ever hear that term, walk in love? You, know, you mainly only hear it in churches. Everybody's like, oh, what is that church? Some people don't even know what that means. All right, walking in love is simply understanding that the God, there's a God, 
given love that we have, and we have to be intentional about using it and putting it forth in our lives. That's walking in love. Sometimes that's not easy. All right? Not easy. But the, the agape love is very important. It's very important. And you see this mostly in 1 Corinthians 13. All right? This is considered the love chapter of the Bible. All right? It's a very short chapter. And, and I'm going to touch on a couple of different points in this chapter. So for the sake of that, I want to read the whole chapter. Everybody's like, oh, no. It's not long. Read 1 Corinthians 13. That's very important. Just bear with me. It won't take just a second. It says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have no, not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not loved, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. All right, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. All right, couples, all right? No records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Never forget that. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, an imperfect disappears... When I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And this is where I want to go to. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope hope and love all right so the greatest is love all right remember we've been talking about all as we've been laying this foundation for compass church we've been talking about how important your faith walk is building up your faith having faith you know writing down seeing god work in your life all right seeing him working the small things believing him for the big things encouraging yourself building your faith up strong all right but What we saw there, remember this, faith and love coincide, all right? If we look at Galatians 5, 6, on Galatians 5, 6, it tells us faith works by love, amen? Works by love, all right? So you see right there, faith is not going to work without love. So as you're growing your faith, you've got to grow your love walk. All at the same time. Amen. They coincide. They go hand in hand. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Love is the greatest. All right. Galatians 5, 6 tells us faith works by love. All right. So you got that? So listen, if you want to hear from God and you want to be hear from God in your life, which we talked about, very, very important to be able to cultivate that relationship and understand when God is truly speaking to you, hearing his voice. All right. If you want to do that, you got to be quick to do what? You got to be quick to believe which is your faith, and quick to forgive, which is walking in love, all right? Now, forgiveness, there goes that word again. We touched on it a little bit a couple of times here, but we're going to get a little bit deeper in it, all right? Very, very, very important, very important. 
uh, it's very, I mean, you look at Mark 11, 22, 23, and it talks about you must forgive, all right? God is talking about a hindrance right there, something that will prevent your faith from working, all right? You've got, forgiveness is it's key. That is the element. You've got to, you've got to learn to let it go. You've got to learn to let it roll off your back. All right, and everybody, I know half of you have already tuned me out on this, and that's okay. Just bear with me, all right? I want to show you a quick parallel if you look at Luke 17. I think it's verse 1 through 5, something. Anyway, right there where Jesus is talking about, you know, if, in the King James Version, he's talking about uh, if you have the face of a mustard seed, faith of a mustard seed, all right? And you, and you say to the sycamine tree, you know, be outcast into the sea and it will obey, blah, blah, I'm paraphrasing, okay? But what I want you to see, the parallel I want you to see is the sycamine tree that he's talking about. It's really cool, the way, the way God writes his word. And, and is, if you study, I love to study just a few verses at a time, but if you study a sycamine tree and, you know, what that is and, and everything about it, a sycamine tree, there's nothing really good that comes from it. The fruit is horrible. The fruit is very bitter, all right? Back in the day, it grew only in desolate areas. The fruit was taken by poor, most poverty-stricken people. All right? but it, and it grew in the deserts. But in order for it to do that, it had a root system, an unbelievable root system that it had to have to survive, which was really amazing. But what I want you to see here was the sycamine fruit tree was full of bitterness, all right? full of bitter fruit. All right? So what... What I want you to see, and it had an amazing root system that went deep. So look, if you're holding bitterness inside of you, come on. If you've got some unforgiveness inside of you, and you've got some things that you've got to learn to let go, all right, there's a root system that goes on with that. And the enemy gets it inside your spirit, and it goes deep. It affects more than you'll ever know. More than you'll ever know. And look, that's dangerous. 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 It'll hinder your faith from working, and it'll affect your love walk. You've got to learn to let it go. And look, so I guess the easiest way to think about it is, do we all walk in love as we should? Probably not. We probably all need to be adjusted, all right? All need to be adjusted. And in, we read in 1 Corinthians 13. So basically what we saw there is that's how God loves us, like I said, and that's how we should be loving others. Amen. But not only that, what you have to do is you have to get a personal revelation of that. All right? You've got to make it personal. You've got to make it yours. I can say it all over and over and over and over again, but until you make it personal and make it yours, it's never going to be real. It's not going to be real in your life. You've got to do it. You've got to be intentional. Remember, we talk about that. Everything you do with your Christian walk, you've got to be intentional. You've got to make the right choices. You've got to choose to go after God because the enemy wants to keep you over here and focused on the things of the world and not focused on the things of God. Because if he can keep you over here, he's got you against the wall. And if he keeps you against the wall, you're going nowhere. All right? You cannot be productive for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So you've got to get a personal revelation. And the revelation I want you to get is, of course, number one, is that's how God loves you. All right, I think that's pretty self-understood. But let's look at 1 John four sixteen, And it says, God is love, and he that dwell in love dwell in God, and God in him. Folks, the love's there. The love is there. All right? It is there. 
This is the number two part of the revelation you need to get for yourself. The God, the, the love was given at salvation. It was given when you accepted Christ by the Holy Spirit. That love's in you. You may feel like you're just an ornery old mean somebody, but that love's in you. You've got to be intentional. You've got to press in. You've got to tap into that love. All right? Remember, the enemy's going to try to keep you distracted. Keep your focus off of that, but you've got to get over that and press in to the love that's already inside of us. And I think if you think about it, you've got to decide right now, I'm going to walk in love no matter what happens. No matter what the enemy brings against me, no matter what happens at work, no matter what happens at the gas station, no matter what happens on the road. Come on, I've driven around most of y'all. So, all right, but you've got to decide now. You're going to walk in love. Look, and you can't, and look, you can't wait on the other person. You know, that's pride. You can't wait on it. You can't worry about fixing them. You just got to take it in stride and go with it and choose to be intentional and choose to walk in love. Choose to let it go. Take responsibility of your love walk. Amen. So I want to ask everybody to do something for me. All right, anybody that turned me off, turn me back on just a second. All right, I want to ask everybody to do a pledge. This is not difficult at all, and I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it will change your life. And I'm going to tell you, it changed mine because I had to do something. I grew up a very hard, hard childhood, very difficult. I mean, I can just, very difficult, all right? But I want to ask everybody to do a pledge. How many days does it take to create a habit? All right. I figured Keith would pop that out there pretty quick. He's pretty good at stats. Uh, 21 days. So three weeks, I want you to do this for me. And it won't take long. I want you to read 1 Corinthians 13 to yourself out loud in your prayer time. Out loud. I want you reading it out loud. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I want you feeding your spirit. All right? I want you talking to yourself. That sounds crazy, but it's very true. Very biblical. Speak to your spirit. And I want you to read that, but I want you to do two things. I want you to, number one, acknowledge that love is in you. All right, we, we've already learned, First John 4, 16, that love's in you. Acknowledge that it's there. All right, and the second thing I want you to do, and this is very, very, very important, decide that you're going to act on it. You're going to act on that love. This is kind of like I wanted to, why I wanted to plant the seed last week, you know, giving out the little nugget and all. Just a simple act of kindness, you know. I want to stir that up in you. Because we want to be a church that makes a difference here in this town, in this city. And it starts with random acts of kindness. It does. It simply, there's actually ministries started now, especially on the West Coast. Uh, and it's all based off of random acts of kindness. Now, if you get into their doctrine issues, it's a little bit, mm, you know, I don't know about all that, but my hat's off to them for the random acts of kindness. But I want to encourage you to do that. Act on it. And you've got to learn to act on it even when you don't feel like it. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight, not by, not by what we see, all right, but what we believe God for, all right? So we act, we walk by faith. We don't go off our how we feel. Because you may not feel like coming to church, but when you press in and you come in because, you know, you've prayed up and you're believing God that he's going to speak to you or move in your life that day, and you come on in and he does, that's great. If you walk by what you see, that's how the enemy keeps you backed against the wall and pressed against the wall. Amen? So press in. Act on it. Act on the love. Even when you don't feel like it, let me tell you, this isn't easy. Because let me tell you, you can harbor, harbor feelings, 
I can still remember things in high school where somebody mistreated me, all right? That's how strong those, 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 those uh, thoughts stay with you. I remember, I'll tell you a quick story, second day of high school, I went to a very rough inner city school in Birmingham, uh, and they were just integrating the black and the white schools at that time, so tensions were just unbelievable. And uh, I was a little guy, you know, and uh, didn't have a lot of money, so a lot more reason to be picked on. So I grew up having to fight. I mean, I was mean as a snake. I can't tell you how many times I got beat up, you know. But I didn't stop. You know, and I'm not bragging, but that's what I, that was the atmosphere I was in. Second day of high school, I was coming out across the parking lot, and I hated high school for this whole reason. Walking across the parking lot, and this was a big school, you know, thousands of students. Butch Wallace, I'll never forget him, huge guy. He came up and got in front of me, and he was, he was, the, he was the one everybody wanted to avoid in school. He was huge. He was a drug addict. He, had, he was constantly robbing this, that, and the other. He was just destined for trouble. Well, he was in front of me, and I stopped and looked up, and he grabbed me right here by the shirt, and he picked me off of the ground. Now, I'll tell you how big he was. Off the ground, and he put a cigarette out right there. And it hurt. I'm going to tell you, it hurt. And I sat there, and I knew I had two options. I could cry like a baby and try to run, but then what's going to happen the rest of the school year? When I saw a brick on the ground, and when he put me down, I knew that brick was mine. And I laid into him, and I'm going to tell you, my saving grace was he was so doped up that he couldn't hardly defend himself, and he ended up with about nine stitches, and I don't know what happened to me, but I still remember that just like it happened yesterday. Don't harbor any ill feelings. Let things go, especially from your past, because they'll stay with you. They will stay with you, all right? They will stay with you. Make a choice. Make a choice. You're going to walk in love. Sometimes it just takes a little adjustment. And let me say this. This is just something the Lord just gave me. Anytime you feel like you've been mistreated, anytime, and understand, we all understand that we're going to be mistreated somewhere. All right? We're human beings. We do not all get along perfect. If you stay around somebody long enough, I don't care who it is, if Mindy and Steven stay together for a week solid and never leave each other's side, eventually they're going to be, come on. Same with Muffin and me, you know. <laughs> but listen, anytime you're feeling mistreated, and it's going to happen, it's going to happen, all right? You know, I told you when I started this church, I'm going to be real with you. Anytime you're feeling mistreated, you can know that the devil's coming after you. He's doing a work in you. Amen. He's doing a work in you. You can know it. It's, <laughs> it and listen, he is a master at magnifying. I can't get off of this. Master at magnifying any kind of bitterness or anything, any unforgiveness or anything, that, anything a feeling of being mistreated. If he can keep that magnified and keep you so focused on that, Instead of focused on forgiving and letting it go. Now listen, I'm not saying you didn't get mistreated. But he gave us a brain. If you get mistreated, you deal with that situation in any way possible, then you forgive and you forget and you go on. But you don't stay in it. You know, if I'm in business and somebody mistreats me in a business deal, I worked it out. And we may lose money on that deal, but he gave me a brain to not go back into business with that person again. All right? 
So you stay, you, you got to learn to let it go. Learn to let it go. Use the brain that he gave you. All right? And look, I've seen people here going in. I've seen... <laughs> Somebody needs to hear this today, apparently. But I remember in particular, I've seen people who have literally left a job, a good-paying job, because they felt like, I'm too... They don't appreciate me. I'm too good for this. I'm too good for that. I've been mistreated. They took offense, and they, they harbored it, and they held on to it so far, so far to the point to where they left that job, went to another one. Two weeks later, it was worse than where they were, and they couldn't go back. Now they've left up all of their retirement. Everything started over in a worse situation, all because they choose not to forgive and forget and let it go. Stop looking in the past. Amen. And look, I'm not going to sit here and preach and tell you that nobody's going to not offend you. Somebody is. But it's a choice. You choose whether to take that offense. Amen. You choose. You take the high road or the low road. You're either going to fight it out or you're going to just walk away and walk in love. Amen. That's what you got to do. You've got to do it. Learn to walk in love. I don't know who that was for, but I hope you got something out of that. That was pretty good. Listen, don't contaminate your faith. All right? Remember, this is going to hinder your faith. It's not only going to hinder it, it's going to stop your faith from working. I mean, that's just plain as plain can be. Stop your faith from working. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Agape love. Walk in love. Uh, I want to do something really quick. I want to go back to. Hang on, let's see. I want to go back to what we talked about, the characteristics. I didn't want to get into this because it may take a little time, but I think we got just a few minutes, and we'll take just a second. I'm going to read over these characteristics, and you see these characteristics of the agape love in verses four through seven. All right, I'm going to read these. Just, I'm just going to basically go over them a little bit. But what I want you to do is just jot them down. Maybe not now, maybe later. You can go back in the 1 Corinthians 4 through 17. You can do this later. I want you to jot them down. And everywhere there's love, I want you to put your name in it. And this is going to tell you where you stand on whether you're walking in agape love. All right? You'll see what I'm talking about here. Just a simple example. All right. Love is patient. Interesting. Why did God put the patient? I mean, patient? Why would that be first? And I think it's because it's unconditional. Maybe. I don't know. And I think, I think maybe more than that, it's God knows that's something we're going to struggle with. Because come on, let's face it. Everybody in here thinks you're the best. Come on. I didn't get a little bit of a response to that. But you do. You think you're best, and you're having to deal with everybody else's faults. Come on, that's human nature. All right. Learn to be patient, especially parents with kids. All right. Coworkers. People who are under you, be patient. Love is kind. It is kind. You know, it's been said, like we talked about kindness, uh, the, uh, uh, one of the greatest things you can ever do for a child of God is uh, just a simple random act of kindness. You never, ever know how that, what that person's going through or how that's going to impact their life. I mean, I've seen, I've heard testimony and testimony after people who have considered were considered, seriously considered in suicide where, where they changed their mind based off a simple act of kindness where God led somebody to go and do something. It could be as simple as buying a cup of coffee. Amen? Love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, and is not proud. 
All right, come on. That's pretty simple. Don't be envious. Don't be mad at your brother over here because he's got a bigger house and fancier car. And then again, don't boast about what you got. Now listen, this is one a lot of people throw up in, the, in, in, in church a lot about the difference in encouraging others and seeing God work in your life. When God gives you something in material form, whether he blesses you with a car or a new house or something of that sort, you want to be able to take that testimony and that story and share it all right? It's important to do that because you're encouraging your other Christian believers, your church family, you're encouraging them in their faith and you're growing their faith. But you don't, remember, you, there's always a clean balance to everything. You don't take it too far to where you're boasting. All right? So you want to share the testimony, but you don't want to be boasting about it. All right? Remember, we always said there's a clean balance to everything. Same with church, same with your job. Just keep it in the middle of the road. Don't get too far left, too far right. Clean balance, all right? Love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It's common courtesy, all right? It's not easily anger. It keeps no records of wrongs. Married people, don't keep records of wrongs. Forgive and forget. Let it go. It does not delight in evil. It rejoices in truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. All right, perseveres. I mean, it, it never, remember this. If you can get in your heart the word quit and say, I will not quit, you can do anything. You've got to determine. You've got to persevere. Love perseveres. It will not quit. No matter the rejection, no matter the opposition, it will not quit. Now, I want you just to go back at some point, and this is just for you, and just put your name in front of that. So like, if Chad was reading this, he would say, Chad is patient, Chad is kind, Chad does not envy, Chad doesn't boast, so on, so on. And what you do is you sit back, and God's going to show you the areas you may need to work on in your love wall. Amen. It'll work. It'll work. Amen. Now, do that, and do read 1 Corinthians 13. Read it. Read it. it will, and I want to hear testimonies of it. Right, it's going to work on your life. It will change your life. You know, growing up as hard as I did and having to deal with the things that I dealt with over and over and over and death of friends and, and so much tension and fighting and that, just that whole atmosphere, all right? I had to have something to focus, to change my focus, to work out my love wall. It was a process for me, all right? And that's one thing that did. And, they, and it did work. And it got me into the God kind of love, which is agape love. And that's where I want you. I want you walking in love, all right? Walking in love. You know, the greatest love. Agape love. I mean, all the New Testament writers were in agreement in it. We, 4, 8, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all things, love each other because love covers a multitude of sins. I love James 2, 8. says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. There's power in that love. Power, power, power. I can't say it enough. You know, it, it's, it's the greatest of all virtues. It really is. And understand, we've been laying a foundation, you know, understanding your, knowing the will of God for your life and understanding the power in your praise, understanding uh, the power in your prayer life, all right? And now we're, we're, we're understanding to build your faith. And we haven't gotten into that yet. We've touched on it, but we haven't taught on that yet. We're getting to that. But now we're understanding the importance. Another pillar goes into that, your love wall. 
And remember, we talked about you're going to have to take some, be intentional. You're going to have to do a little homework. You're going to have to do a little bit of work. All right? But that's okay. It's not hard. And it gets easier. But you've got to press in. It's your Christian walk. It's your walk with God. You've got to choose to cultivate that relationship. You've got to choose to hear his voice when he speaks to you. You've got to choose to act when he tells you to do something. Nobody can do it for you. But when you do that and you be intentional and you make it yours and you take ownership of it, you're going to walk in victory that we want each and every person in this church to be walking in. Amen. Glory to God. You will grow spiritually. And this is the way to victory. Amen. I hope you got something from that. I really do. I really hope you got something. And now, I want to do some thank you for this day. Thank you for the service. I thank you for everybody that came in this house, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that they came with open hearts to hear you. And they came expecting, knowing that you were going to move in their life and that you're going to touch their life and you're going to change their life. And you're helping them to learn to hear your voice, helping them to learn to hear when you're moving them in another direction, helping them to learn to hear how to believe you, how to believe and how to walk in love, the love that you have for us, the love that you set the example for when you sent your son to die on that cross for each and every one of us, Lord. And as we come into this little holiday season here, it's not, it's not really a holiday, Father, but the love that comes out of it, Lord, we want that love to be directed correctly. We want that love to be not only directed towards you, but towards everybody that's on this earth, Lord. We want people to, anybody that's harboring unforgiveness, Lord, you work on that, Lord. You work with it. You move with it. You help them remove that. Lord, and you help them just to let it go. Let them be thick skinned and let it roll off their back, Lord. And help them to walk in the love, the God kind of love, the love that you set an example for, Lord, and the love that you put in place for us, Lord. Help them to walk in that. In Jesus' name we pray. And now, Father, I pray now that as we go forth, and I don't, I, if there's anybody that needs to accept Christ, hasn't accepted you as Lord and Savior, for whatever reason, or maybe you're in here and and you just need to rededicate. I don't even think I've asked that. If you need to rededicate your life, I want you just to simply raise your hand. Simply raise your hand. All eyes closed. All eyes closed right now. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I understand that's not how we do here. But I do want to pray with you. It's very important. You take ownership of your of your walk. Amen. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life or if you need to accept Christ, just simply raise your hand. Amen. Okay, I see that hand. I see that hand. Well, all right. If you raise your hand, I want you to come down front for me. Come down front. I want to pray with you. I think the band's going to play just a little bit of music right quick. It won't be long.